who is the church? When we're talking about what, not talking about what, we're talking about who. So who is the church? And so we begin tonight in Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, and he says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. All through the chapter 2, in particular, he was talking about being born again, being saved. He said, the, the life I live in the body, I now live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And so he had taught the people there that in Galatia. He taught them about being born again, being saved, Jesus on the cross, the crucifixion, the death, burial, resurrection, all the things that go into salvation, he had already talked to them about and preached about and led them to Christ, and they were born again, they were saved, and now something's happened to them. He's asking them, who bewitched you? Uh, you know, what's this thing about crucified? You're not sure about it anymore, and so we need to make sure what the word bewitched means anyway. It means to deceive a person through devious and crafty ways. People do that today sometimes, don't they? You can get on the phone sometimes, somebody's trying to bewitch you. Somebody's trying to do something very crafty, very devious, uh, bottom line, to get your account number to the bank or get your Social Security number or something like that. So they're telling you this long story about whatever. Uh, sometimes we get an email that Amazon has charged your account $499.99. If this is not correct, contact us and we'll be able to take it off. And the point was, if you contact that person, Amazon hadn't done anything like that. Somebody has set it up. You call them. Okay, we need your account number to make sure we get it off your account. Oh, okay, it's, num it's number one, two, three, four, five, six. Thank you. We'll take it off. Well, now they got your account number. They just took all your money. And so people are devious. People are crafty. Even in a spiritual sense, it means to deceive somebody, crafty ways, to bring evil to someone through fake praise and charm. Sometimes people will try to charm you. You know, they like you so much and you're all this and begin to just say things about you and to you and make you feel real good. And, uh, well, I didn't know I could do that. I, wasn't, I didn't know I was like that. And, you know, you begin to kind of get built up by somebody and all of a sudden they jump in there and, oh, I didn't see that coming. I thought they were just trying to be my friend or they were being nice to me. I got all built up and, and just accepted what they were saying is true, and now I realized they were being devious. They were being crafty, and I just got taken. And so that's what was happening there in Galatia. People were coming in and deceiving them with crafty ways and trying to build them up and say, there's something more that you need than Jesus. You just need a little bit more, and you need to make sure you follow what we're teaching, and when you do that, then you got all you need. But you need more than Jesus. Well, what happens sometimes, we do one of two things. People can reform sometimes. Reform means to change in such a way as to be improved. We were better today than we were yesterday. We're better today than we were last week, last month, last year. We change ourselves for the better. You know, we finally come to the conclusion, I shouldn't be doing that anymore. I'm just going to quit. And so I quit, whatever it is, and I become reformed. I change myself for the better. A lot of times people just simply do that. We reform. Other times we regret something. We regret, we regret something by feeling sad and disappointing over something that has happened or has been done. 
I'm so sad I did that. I'm so disappointed in myself that I went there. I'm so sad and disappointed that I got involved in that. And I, you know, all these stories we begin to come out with, I feel sad about it. I'm disappointed over it. I shouldn't have done that. can't believe I did that. And so we express an apology for sadness over something unfortunate or unpleasant. We apologize to somebody. I'm sorry it happened. It won't happen again. And we have regret over it. But we don't do what God talks about, and that's repent. And so he's saying there's a difference in reform and regret and repent because repent simply means change our way of life, change our way of life as a result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness, simply meaning this. We can take up the Bible and read it and say, I like that, I like that, that's good, I need to do that. Um, that's not for me, that's more for Cheryl right there. She needs to be doing that. And uh, over here, maybe I need to do this, but that, that's Cheryl, right? You know. And, and so we, we go through and we sometimes want to pick and choose what applies to us and doesn't apply to us and would to somebody else and that sort of thing. And it's all good news and all good reading, but, you know, we don't have all of it. We need to work, work on in our life. We don't need to say, I need to stop doing those things, start doing those things, apply this. You know, so we just kind of pick and choose sometimes. But when we repent... We have a complete change of thought and attitude with what we're reading in God's Word. We read something and say, maybe for the first time, that's sin. God calls that sin. And I've been doing that. I don't need to do that anymore. And I begin to realize that's something I need to have a complete change about, a complete change in the way of my life, the way that I live. And so we look at that and say, okay, well, then there's something over here. Oh, I need to start doing that. I hadn't been doing that. My whole attitude has changed. That's what something, that's something God says they need to start doing. I'm going to start doing that so I can please Him, so I can be obedient to Him. And so it's not a reform. It's not a regret. It's simply a complete change of our mind, our heart, our very soul of turning from something and turning to something that is God. And our whole life and attitude and character changes as a result. It's a change of mind and behavior that brings a moral and ethical conversion. It simply means this. I'm not stopping something because it's bad for me. I'm stopping something because God says this is what I need to do, and I want to obey Him. I'm going to start doing something because not because I should or supposed to. I'm going to start doing something because it pleases God. And there's a whole attitude change, a whole uh, moral change, a whole behavior change, a whole character change, and that's repentance. It's turning back, retracing our steps, so that we can go the right way. Because like we said a little bit this morning, we're walking the straight line, straight and narrow way, going toward Jesus, following Him, denying self, taking up our cross daily, following Him. And then one day we take a little detour. We just kind of get off a little bit, make one bad decision, one bad choice, and it just kind of takes us a little bit off that beaten path we've been on following Jesus. And there we are. Well, we did that. And then we just get on the wrong track and we start going this way. We're going in the wrong direction. Jesus kept going this way and we just took a detour. And so repentance says, I got to turn back. I got to retrace my steps. I got to return the way I was going because how did I get way out here to start with? Oh, I know. It started back here and then there's this and then there's this. Now here I am. I just need to retrace my steps, get back on track. Jesus, I'm right behind you. And I repent of this and that, whatever it was, and I'm going to follow you. That's repentance. And so 
when he's talking to the people there, he said, you foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? Who deceived you? Who used craftiness to get you off course? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. You've been believing that. What got you off course? Get back to where you were, believing Jesus, following him. Then in verse 2, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by observing the law or by believing what you heard? How did you get saved? Was it because you simply said, I need to start doing this? Or were you saved because you were born again? You were saved. The Holy Spirit came to live in you. You repented. And so Paul was simply asking the people, consider how they got saved. Was it by the Holy Spirit coming to live in them, forgive them, cleanse them of their sins? Or was it something called reform and change and regret? Which was it? And so it's either by faith or it's by works. If it's by works, and there's regret and reform. If it's by faith, there's repentance. And so the correct answer would have been and was for them, hey, I received Jesus. I'm born again. I'm saved. I have faith in him. I've responded to him in faith, and I'm moving forward with him. So he goes on to say, are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? If you were born again, you were saved, you received the Holy Spirit as your Savior. What are you doing now? Are you still following him by faith? Or did you change plans somewhere along the way? Are you trying to live your life according to human efforts, my effort? Well, I need to stop doing this, start doing that. Yeah, I got off track, but I'll get back on. And and I was kind of deviating a little bit, but, but I'll get back on track. And that's my effort, or was it by Jesus? So he was simply asking them, are they so foolish, that they could begin a Christian life by faith and then later on start living by works? It's either one or the other. Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus, not following the law. As we follow Jesus, he makes us more like himself by our faith in him, trusting him, following him. Because it comes down to this. Either I can't or I don't want to. Simply meaning this. When I got saved, uh, you know my testimony very well. I came out of drug and alcohol, all kind of evil lifestyle, and laid all that down. And then as people began to ask me, my friends that I still had around me began to ask me, say, hey, Friday night we're going over here, we're going to do all this you know, stuff and start telling about what we're all going to do, like we used to do last Friday and Friday before that, and so on and so And I would say, no, I'm not going to go. Why not? Well, I got saved. Well, you can still come over here and be with us. I mean, you know, all this. And I realized I couldn't say the word, well, I can't do that. I was saying the words, I don't want to do that. See the difference? I could have gone, and I could have participated in things I used to do, but it wasn't that I wanted to anymore. Something God changes about us is our want to. And so we begin to realize, I could do this, that, and the other, but I don't want to anymore. And so that's what changes when we're saved, and so that's what he was talking about here with the Holy Spirit. Uh, are we saved by the Holy Spirit to be more like Jesus and not following the law? If I'm following the law, I'll say, wait a minute, let me hold on, wait, wait, I'll, I'll let you know. Oh, wait, I can't do that because the Bible says so. I sure would like to, but I, I just can't, you know, because if I say I can't, there's going to come a day that I can. And so when we say Jesus changed something in me, he changed our want tos and our don't want tos. Do you see the difference and see how that works in our life and see how it works in your life? God changes our character. He changes our moral attitude. It changes who we are. It changes what we think, how we feel. 
And as a result of that, we do things for God to please Him, to be obedient to Him, not because we have to, but we want to. We want to serve Him. We want to be obedient to Him because we love Him. He saved us. We're born again. We're going to heaven, and we're just following Him every single day. So he asked them another question. He said, have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, because back in those times, if you got saved many times, you were ostracized from your family. You were kicked out of the family because if you were a Jewish person and you got saved, you became a Christian, then they didn't want you around them anymore. You, you were just pushed away. Uh, other groups of people would do the same thing. We don't want to be around you anymore. We don't want you with us anymore. You, you can't work here anymore. You can't uh, come to here anymore. And so uh, pushed away. And so as a result, people were suffering. And uh, he said, did you suffer for nothing? If it really was for nothing, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? So if they've been suffering and sometimes we suffer for being a Christian, then it comes down to if I become more like Jesus and start acting and talking about Jesus more often and reading my Bible when I'm around these other people, they're going to quit liking me and they're not going to be my friends anymore. And they'll go to that ultimate biggest rejection there is. They'll unfriend me on Facebook. And I couldn't handle that. I just don't know what I'd do if they took me off of friends being on Facebook. And I just, so I'm just going to not talk about Jesus like I should or read my Bible around him like I would or something like that because, you know, I don't want to face that rejection and being, you know, pushed away and all that. And so sometimes we can suffer. Then we'll say, I don't want to go through that because I don't want to lose my friends or something around me. And so I'll just kind of back up. Suffering means I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to keep suffering for Jesus. Not because of what they say or what they do, don't like me or whatever it may be. And I'm going to endure through the hardships. I'm going to endure through the sufferings because I'm following Jesus. It's by faith. If it's by works, then that gets old. That gets tiring. Well, I'm just not, I can just quit doing that, or I can just start doing this. And that way everything kind of settled down. And so he's saying if it's really for nothing, then what are you doing it for? You might as well go back to the way things were. And so it is with you and I. You know, we're either following Jesus by faith or we're following what we want to do in our life. It says, how about the Holy Spirit? When you've seen miracles, when you've seen God do things in your life and around your life, was it the Holy Spirit doing it? Or was it because you were obeying the law? Was it because of what you heard about Jesus and who he is? Or was it simply what you heard about, well, he's a good guy and, you know, he's got some good thoughts about him? Which is it? So Paul was simply asking the question again, if you're persecuted for following Jesus or for, obey, for obeying the law, you're going to quit one or the other. If we're following Jesus, and just obeying the law, i got to stop this and got to stop that, start here and all these sort of things, then there's going to come a point where we're just going to quit. We're just going to give up. We're going to give in to it. We're going to say it's just too hard to keep doing what God wants me to do because what goes on at home or family or friends or work or school or whatever, and it's just I can't do it anymore. I'm just going to close it up and just forget about it and just ignore what God is saying. But it's by faith if we're being persecuted because we're following Jesus because we want to, we're born again, we're saved, then we're going to hang in there through the hard times. 
And so they were enduring suffering due to their faith, non-obedience to the law. What about us? So their faith and the work of the Holy Spirit brought the miracles, not the law, non-obedience to the law. Sometimes you, you need a miracle, don't you? You just need God to step in and do something. <laughs> and so how is he going to do that? He's going to do it through us praying, asking, God, I need you to do this. I need you to come through in this area of my life. I need you to do something about this, whatever this is. And God steps in and moves and does something, doesn't he? You've seen that. And you've had prayers answered many times about, I, I didn't think he could do it. I didn't think he would do it, but he, but he did it. And God just worked in this thing and look what happened. And did it become, did, was it because we were living by the Holy Spirit and faith in him? Or just being obedient to the law? It's by faith. And so he finally goes on to say, verse 6, Consider Abraham. Think of Abraham back in Genesis. He believed God. He trusted God. He had faith in God. And it's credited to him, credited to him as righteousness. When Abraham said, God, I believe you. I trust you. I have faith in you. I follow you. God said, you're righteous because of that. You did one thing. You have faith in me. And you're righteous as a result. So he said, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Those who have faith, those who have trust are Abraham's descendants. Because one night God took him outside of the tent and he said, look up the stars of the sky, Abraham. Count the stars if you can. And he said, of course, I can't. He said, that's going to be your descendants. As many stars as there are, you're going to have that many descendants. And those of us that have faith in God, have faith in Christ, trust God, we're those descendants. We're those stars that he saw that night. And so many times... Uh, when I walk outside at night to, to do something and look up the stars, I always think about that passage when God told him, look up the stars, count them if you can. That's going to be your descendants. And that's us today, uh, those that are saved, born again. Understand then that those who believe, those who have faith, those who trust Jesus are children of Abraham. And so Abraham's faith <clears throat> in God that day simply resulted in God calling him righteous. And by the way, it was about 600 years before the law of Moses ever came into existence. See, the law, as the Hebrew people knew it, and as we know it in the Old Testament, was not even invented by the time Abraham said this. And this happened with Abraham. Uh, it didn't happen for 600 years later. They'd been in bondage 400 years in Egypt. And before that, it was uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and getting in Egypt and getting out, Moses leading the people to the mountain and, and getting the Ten Commandments and all the law, then it came into existence. Prior to that, there was Abraham and his faith. It was always by faith. The law simply was given to the people of Israel to say, now that you're following me, God, now that you're going to be obedient to me and live for me, here's ways that you need to act. Here's things you need to do. Here's how you need to live. Here's what your character ought to be like because you're going into a land filled with evil and awful people. And they're going to live a different lifestyle than you. And God said, I want you to be set apart and act different, talk different, dress different, do different than the world in which you live so that people recognize there's something different about you. Same as today, you see. Jesus comes to live in our heart. And he says, now, live a different life in this world than the people around you. Don't act like the world. Do what the world does. Go where the world goes. Live a different lifestyle. Live a different character be a different kind of person, and let people see Jesus in you. So he said, the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. That's the Galatians. That's us. And announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. 
All nations will be blessed through you. Your faith, Abraham, it all starts here. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. We become a person of faith like Abraham by trusting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So let's get to the bottom line. All the introduction there and now the message. Who is the church? We are. The church is the people who have repented of their sins and followed Jesus. All we did was simply say, Lord, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't, I don't want to go this way in life anymore. I want to turn from that, and I want to follow you. And so we just turn and we begin to follow Jesus through repentance. The church is the people who receive the Holy Spirit by responding to the gospel. So when we repent, we turn from sin and turn to him, enter into his kingdom. That's when we receive the Holy Spirit. doesn't come later. It comes all at the same time. Who is the church? The church is the people who live a Christian life through walking by faith daily, becoming more like Jesus daily. It's a lifestyle. It's a character change. It's what we do every single day, not a couple of days a week, but every day. The church is people who endure suffering through faith. As a Christian, there may be times that we suffer for being a Christian. We get called names. We get unfriended. We get pushed back. Some people don't want to hang around with us anymore, don't want to be around us, you know, all that sort of thing. And so we endure suffering as a result of it, but it's because of our faith. We're able to hang in there and endure through it because we're living by faith. We're doing what we want to do based on what God has done in our heart, changed us. Uh, the church sees God working through the Holy Spirit. When we see something going on, people's lives changing, it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we'll say something like, let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you what I saw God do yesterday. And, you know, we come up with that story of whatever happened. We saw God working and God moving and changing something and working in somebody else's life or our life. And we just talk about it. It's the Holy Spirit doing that work, isn't it? And the church is people who are made right with God through faith. The only way we're going to ever be right with God in a right relationship with him is through our faith in him, trusting him, living in obedience to him. That who that's who the church is. That's who is the church. That's us that are made up of faith, body of faith, living by faith, trusting, moving closer to Him every single day in faith. 